0: Today we are kicking off kind of a little mini-series. As I was uh, putting this message together today and looking at some scriptures that had been on my heart, I was like, you know, really, we could focus on this over several weeks. Um, We didn't really have anything planned. Uh, We were looking to do possibly this is my story and I couldn't line everything up. Um, So we are still looking that may get shifted even over into next year. Um, but today, uh, the first place we will be, and you can turn there, is Proverbs 17, verse 22. If you have your outline, it will be there. It will be on the screen um, on the UVersion Bible app. I'm in the CSB so that you can um, follow along word for word. But I wonder, as you turn there, have you ever seen those people who drive their wrecked car or truck um, wherever they go? like it's maybe you're one of those people, you know, it got wrecked. And instead of getting it fixed, they choose to just um, drive it as is. Um, In high school, I was uh, taking some friends after school. We didn't have a field on our um, school campus. And so we used a wreck field for baseball practice. And so we were driving um, to baseball practice when the driver in front of me decided to make a last minute um, turn. It wasn't even a driveway. It was kind of like maybe a dirt driveway. I'm not sure. Not even sure what she was doing. Um, but she didn't use her blinker to make the left hand turn. And so I showed her, and I rear-ended her Mercedes. Um, thankfully, yeah, I was like 16. So um, thankfully, uh, I sustained most of the damage on my well-rusted 1987 gold Pontiac 6000. Um, Yeah, in fact, when I got it, uh, we had to go get some parts for it, and the guy at, I think it was Western Auto at the time, but uh, the the guy said that they consider those as junkyard cars, and it's no wonder why. Uh, It was well-rusted out. It was from Michigan, and so I just drove it uh, wrecked because I only had Uh, liability insurance on it. It was uh, not worth having full coverage on. And so since I sustained most of the damage on the front, basically I just left the plastic grill broken. Um, I took clear packing tape and just made new headlights and took some uh, coat hangers and wired up the lights so that they shined out uh, forward. And I drove that thing until the fuel line rusted out and I had to do something different. Uh, I, I got four brand new tires for that for Graduation and uh, I drove it until I couldn't drive it anymore. And, and so um, I drove one of those wrecked vehicles. I, I'm sure it looked great going down the road. I, th- I don't think I was with Nikki when I had that car, um, but I did have an even nicer car. And I put that snow, that Christmas snow on the back. It said, I love Nikki. So everywhere I went, um, I advertised for her. And that was about in the same condition. Um, But, you know, some people, they wreck their cars, and they receive insurance money in order to um, fix that car. But instead of using that insurance money to fix the car, they choose to use it on something else, and then they just drive their once nice vehicle. Um, They drive it around wrecked. They, They drive it around damaged. They had all the resources. They had all of the access to the body shop. They could have gotten their vehicle fixed and repaired, but they chose to keep it damaged. They chose to keep it um, in, the, in the damaged state that it was, even though they didn't have to. And as I was seeing a vehicle like that this week, and I was looking online to see if I could get a picture, and there were some funny wrecked vehicles driving down the road, um, I really had this thought as I was looking at some of this scripture anyway, and it was simply this, I wonder how many people in life are doing the same thing. They've been damaged, they've been wounded, um, they've they've sustained some kind of hurt in their life, and instead of receiving the the healing that they could receive, and instead of receiving the freedom and the liberty from that pain and from that brokenness, they choose to hold on to it, and they choose to go through life broken and wounded and damaged, Just, just like the people that they have the access and the ability to have their vehicle fixed, but they choose to do something else with it and to drive their vehicle around damage. I believe that some of you here today, because I was there, I was playing the game as a youth pastor in church, holding on to hurts and holding on to bitterness and holding on to things. I had all of the access in the world for that healing that God wanted to provide for me, but I chose to hold on to the damage. I chose to walk through life wounded. And so here we all have the ability to be healed, but some of us will choose to remain broken. And I wonder if that's you. Look at Proverbs 17, 22. It simp- simply says this. It's very simple today. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Now, that word, broken spirit, those two words there, doesn't mean just like sadness. Like, like we can read that and go, hey, I lost a loved one and I'm grieving. And so, therefore, I have a broken spirit. That's not what that's talking about. It's talking about it, could be that mourning that, that people maybe um, hold on to and never get over, that grieving. But, but it goes deeper than that. It goes into the things that have broken our spirit in multiple different ways. It could be affliction, it could be choices, it could be a number of things. Our body is built, of course, of a skeletal system, and we have bones, and, and those bones are actually very important. Our bones possess something called bone marrow. Now, some of you may be intimately familiar with bone marrow. I know there's people that have had to have bone marrow transplants or maybe have donated bone marrow. And so you may be intimately familiar with bone marrow, but some of you may not be. And so I'm going to give you just a, an outline of what bone marrow is. It's a spongy soft tissue that resembles a jelly or jam that you would spread on toast. That's very appealing bone marrow fills the cavities of your bones, holds cells that create red and white blood cells and platelets. Without bone marrow, our bodies can't produce the white cells to fight off infection, the red cells to carry oxygen or platelets. And you can see up there, it may be too small for some of you to see, but the platelets to stop bleeding. So bone marrow is very important. It serves us well. It helps us create blood cells that we need to fight infection. It helps us to create the things that helps us to stop bleeding or we would bleed out. It helps carry oxygen throughout our body. Now, I don't think and I don't know that Solomon knew all about bone marrow and the benefits that it has to our body. But here he's given us a relation and he, he he's telling us, he understands, he, he may not know that it's a jelly-like substance um, that if dried up can't, heal our body, can't carry oxygen, can't stop the, 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 the bleeding and things like that. But he does understand that dried, brittle bones are harmful to the body because he relates this negative thing here, this, this broken spirit, that this wounded spirit to being dry, drying up of the bones. He says it dries up the bones. Well, if we look to science and we look to health, we know dried up bones is not a good thing. If the jelly-like substance of the bone marrow were to dry up, if it were to become brittle, it would be unhealthy for us. It would be damaging to us. We could not heal. We could not um, breathe as we need to. And so this is what the scripture is telling us is like giving space to a broken spirit is like. It's been proven that a sad, gloomy, and even negative spirit affects our physical health, but it also governs our spirit, our attitude, our character, and our behavior. So so our spirit, our attitude, our mood even, our, our, our spirit, whether it be broken or whether it not be broken, affects us both emotionally, physically, spiritually. We're holistic people. We're not just physical beings. We're not just spiritual beings. We even have an emotional makeup, and our spirit governs those things. It affects all of those things. Some of you are walking around with a broken spirit. Some of that brokenness came through affliction. It came through um, difficulties. For for some of you, you were emotionally wounded as a child, maybe as a a parent, by a parent, or a, a grandparent, or maybe a teacher, or a brother, or a sister, and it shaped you to who you are today. For for some of you, that affliction, that difficulty looks like being abused by someone that you thought loved you, by by someone you thought that you could trust. For some of you, maybe it was that you experienced great betrayal by someone you thought you could trust, but by a spouse or by a parent or by someone that you dearly loved. For, For some, it could be that life just didn't turn out the way that you dreamed and that you planned for it to turn out. And so you carry around with you the the guilt and the shame of failure, and you feel like you're a failure, and that weighs you down, and that has wounded your spirit, and it has broken your spirit. Whatever it is, I mean, there could be a number of things for each individual here of things that have broken your spirit, afflictions, difficulties, For some, your spirit is broken due to the burden of personal sin or poor choices and those failures. And so you carry that guilt. You carry that shame. with. And here's the truth. The longer you allow those afflictions to um, hang around, those choices to go unresolved, the deeper the physical, emotional, and spiritual turmoil that they will create in your life. And I am speaking from experience not sharing my story here. If you ever want to hear it, I'm sure I'll share it one day, but it's also provided online. But but I carried that bitterness around. I carried that unforgiveness around. I carried that broken spirit around. Like the car that I drove until it died, I, I was carrying that until I couldn't carry it anymore. So I understand the turmoil. I understand the snowball effect that it will create in your life. That's why we've talked about often that um, the Bible tells us out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We allow these things to build and build and build and build. And then out of the overflow, it's when you, your guard is down, when you're tired, when you least expect it, you say things, you do things. And then people go, wow, that wasn't like her. That wasn't like him. Yeah, it was definitely like him. It was definitely like her. It was definitely like you because not only are we sinful people, but we carry these burdens around. And the Bible says, though we might put up a facade and we might look spiritual and we might look holy, the more we allow this to build up and to go unresolved, eventually it's going to overflow. Eventually it's going to pour out. And so you can come to church and you can live life and you can put the facade on and you can put the fake face on and you can say all the right things, but silently and privately be uh, building up this brokenness and this affliction and this guilt and this shame. And eventually it will pour out. It will pour out in a number of ways. And you see this, you see this with people coping with overeating, substance abuse, sex, adventure, the, the thrill of life, always trying to avoid the pain, always trying to avoid the hurt. So we got to do something new and something fun and something adventurous. Why? Because I don't want to feel the pain. I don't want to have to face the, the, the burden that I'm carrying around with me. I've got to put on this fake face. And for some, that is the symptoms. It's anger. It's bitterness. It's a refusal to forgive. It's moodiness when we don't get our way. It's causing harm to other people. We've heard this saying, and it's true. Wounded people wound people hurt people, hurt people. And so part of those symptoms of carrying that broken spirit and letting it build up, part of that turmoil is you you wound people. You hurt people. You go behind their back. You gossip about them. You, you blow up on them. You hold them to a higher standard than you hold yourself. You're highly critical. You lack mercy and grace. Everyone is the problem or everyone is is your problem. And so you tend to point the finger at everyone rather than look in the mirror at yourself. It's a desire for approval. That's where the facade comes in. That's where the fake uh, being um, uh, not genuine, a false humility in front of the right people. So they think that you are more spiritual than what you are, that you're healthier than what you are. And so you put up this front, you put up this fake face, it's um, meddling. The Bible talks about meddling. It's meddling in all of these things. Why? So you can win the approval of the right people so that you can be embraced by them, befriended by them. Really, it's also low self-esteem, which all, uh, often cloaks itself in pride. You know how you can tell someone has low self-esteem? They're often very arrogant and prideful. And that is a front it's actually an, a, a means of pushing people away because they might see the real you. They might see the true self, and there's a low self-esteem there. Why? Because there's a brokenness. There's something you're hiding. There's something you're bearing away. It, it, it shows itself in fear, in isolation, repeating offenses that happened to you that broke you. One of the most amazing stories, and many of you know the, the, because it was national, Uh, the story of Tiger Woods and what happened with his wife and with his family. It made national news. Do you, if you've ever seen the documentary or the, 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 the story they did on him, it was recently. Um, They, I forget which, which program did it, but he despised the very behavior that he got caught doing from his own father. When talking to his ex-girlfriend, who they, who many thought he would have married earlier in life, and when talking to his friends and some of his uh, childhood friends that knew him, it broke him in a very deep way with what his father did with the womanizing and with all these things when he was growing up. And then as he gets older, what does he do? He turns and he does the very thing that his father did it was after his father died, so I don't know if it, it felt like it gave him some kind of resolution, gave him some kind of uh, coping, if it uh, made him feel closer to him, if it would make him proud from the grave, I don't know. But it's the most remarkable thing, that the very thing that broke him at his deepest level was the very thing that he turned and he did. And so it could be constant negativity, it could be complaining, it's misery. To be honest, it's misery. It's misery. And for some, you you put this this front up because you don't want people to know that you're miserable. And so when they ask how things are going, it's all good. It's okay. You, you never let on because, one, you don't know who you can trust because there's been some kind of affliction and difficulty where someone's hurt you or wounded you. You don't know who you can trust. And so you have to play this game of being fake your whole life, and you're miserable because you get in private... and. You get in private, and you have to then be yourself. You then have to look in the mirror. You then have to look at the reality of your life. Some of you are carrying this around. Some of you are carrying a broken spirit around with you through life, but you don't have to. The way that Solomon started this passage was this, a joyful heart is a good medicine. A joyful heart is good medicine, You can write this down. Joy benefits the Christian's physical and spiritual health. Joy benefits the Christian's physical and spiritual health. God cares about you. He not only gives us everything that we need in nature um, to uh, have good health, to even uh, heal from sicknesses and ailments, the things that they use for medicine, food and meat and those things, but he also, according to Scripture, gives us a special medicine that benefits our overall health because we are holistic people. We're physical beings, we're spiritual beings, we're emotional beings, and that is joy. He gives us this medicine that if we were to just embrace it, if we were to just practice it, if we were just to allow it to be a part of our life, will benefit us and will serve us in such good ways. See, having genuine joy is good medicine both to our body, our spirits, and our soul. While a broken spirit has consequences, a joyful heart has benefits. Several years ago, I met a man who for over 26 years, he was a senior adult man. He, he said for 26 years, he cannot recount one day that he was sick, that we're, he had a cold, he had a flu, he had anything like that. And what he had decided in his life was over 26 years earlier that every day was going to be a good day. Every day that he started on this side of the ground, that he was alive, was a good day. It didn't matter if he felt bad. It didn't matter if he had aches and pains. It didn't matter what he faced, if bills were due or whatever. It was a good day. There were no bad days in his vocabulary. There was no negativity to start the day. It was a good day because God had given him life. In fact, the source of his joy was his relationship with Jesus Christ. So he had life and he had life in Christ. And for him, that was a good day. Now, every day could get better. Every day could grow and could become the best day. But at the bare minimum, every day was a good day. He did not speak negatively about people. He encouraged them. He saw people as being um, designed and created in the image of God. And so therefore he decided, he just made a decision that he was going to treat people as what they were, and that is image bearers of God. And so he treated them positively. He encouraged them. He built them up joy was a medicine to his body, and it benefited him for many years. Now, I'm not saying that means if you're a joyful person, you won't ever be sick. We can't promise that. This is a health, wealth, and prosperity message. But there are benefits. It is guaranteed. It's proven that there are benefits. So even when you get sick, there are benefits. Joy will work in your favor, even physically. He just happened to be an anomaly that, um, at least from his perspective, Maybe he had little sniffles, but it was still a good day. It was still um, not debilitating to him. It was still not something that was negative to him because he had life. He had physical life. He could breathe. His heart was beating. And he had life in Christ. And it served him well. Multiple studies have proven that joyful people have healthier hearts. In 2005, a paper shared a study that participants rated their happiness 30 times a day. The, the people who initially said that they were the happiest out of this group of people, um, as they were tested, had a lower heart rate um, by like six beats per minute than, than the, those who weren't as happy. Um, three years later, they did a follow-up study, and the same people who were the happiest had lower blood pressure than those who um, were the least happy. In, 20, in 2008, 76 people with suspected heart disease took a poll, and the happiest people had a healthier pattern of um, heart rate variability, just like in 2005. In 2010, 2,000 Canadian workers were interviewed about the circumstances at their work, things that made them, may, may make the typical person frustrated or angry or you know those afflictions, those difficulties at work the observers rated them on the extent they expressed positive emotions like joy, happiness, excitement, enthusiasm, and contentment. In a checkup, 10 years later, the happiest participants in that study, so this would have been 2020, they were less likely to have uh, developed coronary heart disease. For each one point, increase in positive emotions that they had expressed their heart disease risk was 22% lower. There is proven benefits physically to our heart for those who are joyful, for those who are happy. It goes on. Studies also reveal joyful people have less overall disease, disabilities, aches and pains, and a stronger immune system. In 2003, an experiment with 350 people were they exposed them to the cold virus. I mean, who, who wants to be exposed to the cold um, You know, after COVID, all that? I don't know. Um, but after a two-week period, before exposure, ex- the, being exposed to it, the researchers called participants six times, asking them how much they had experienced nine different positive emotions that day. Once again, that guy said when he woke up um, for 26 years, it was a good day. For 26 years, he's looking for the positive. For 26 years, he's finding reasons to be joyful, to find happiness. So they asked them this over six times in two weeks, nine different positive emotions. After five days in quarantine, the participants with the most positive emotions were less likely to have developed the cold. In other studies, researchers found that Um, the bodies of positive and joyful people have a much higher antibody response when given vaccines, leading them to conclude that positivity and joy work at the cellular level. So here, Solomon, he, he wasn't a biologist. He was the wisest man other than Jesus to walk the earth, as we're told. He tells us that a joyful heart is like a good medicine. It's a good medicine to us but a broken spirit dries up the bones. It gets to the cellular level, affects us physically, emotionally, spiritually. I don't know how he knew that other than the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that it affects our bodies, but we have science. My dad used to do a sermon called What a Book, and and it was awesome because he would take things in scripture that were written 2,000 years ago and how science was just kind of catching up to it. How, you know, um, things were just catching up to Scripture, but it's been in Scripture for thousands of years. We see this even here. We see that there are physical benefits of being joyful. You can write this down. Joy helps overcome stress, because stress disrupts people psychologically. It causes biological changes in our hormones and blood pressure levels. Joy seems to temper these effects or at least helps us recover from them much quicker. In that same 2005 paper that reported on the study that the effects that joy have on the heart, the happiest participants had 23% lower levels of the stress hormone cortisol than the least happy, and the level of blood clotting protein that increases with stress was 12 times lower. Joy serves our bodies well. It's a good medicine for our physical bodies. And God has given us the ability to benefit not only in our physical health by choosing to live joyfully and to pursue joy in every circumstance. He's given us that ability, but he also allows us to benefit from it spiritually. You can write this down. Joy is medicine for our soul. Joy is medicine for our soul. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 8 through 12 We see this as the wall has been built and being built from um, Nehemiah, and this is what this passage of Scripture tells us is taking place in this moment. They read out of the book of the law of God, translating and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep for all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go and eat what is rich and drink what is sweet and send portions to those who have uh, nothing prepared since today is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites quieted all the people saying, be still since today is holy. Don't grieve. Then all the people began to eat and drink and send portions and have a great celebration because they had understood the words that were explained to them. So the people asked the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, and he brought it and read it to them for many hours. And that's why today we're only going to be here till 3 p.m. I mean, we see it in scripture. Let's just read scripture for many hours. you 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 should receive that well. Oh, how, our, how we have changed as people. that they, they, they just loved having the word of God read to them, the law of the book of Moses. So Ezra and the Levites told the people not to grieve because this was a holy day. This was a day that they were being enriched by the scripture. This is a Sunday. This is the, the, the people have gathered together to hear the word of God so that they can understand it so that they can know it, so that it can affect their life. And so Ezra is telling them, the governor, uh, Nehemiah, is telling them not to grieve, but instead to, um, to, to, to embrace this day, to embrace this holy day. And so he told them not to mourn or weep, but not to give in to a broken spirit. Instead, he says, be still and rejoice, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The the joy gained from the scriptures will be medicine to your soul. It it would enrich them, strengthen them. It would help them. So, So the people ate, they drank, and they celebrated what they heard and what they understood. They very well could have chosen grief. They very well in this moment could have chosen to mourn. They could have chosen to give in to a broken spirit. Whatever was taking place here, there was a reason that Nehemiah, there was a reason that Ezra, telling them, don't grieve, don't mourn, don't weep. See, we all have that choice. We all have that ability to choose whether or not we're going to give in to the broken spirit or whether we're going to allow joy to be our strength, joy to enrich us spiritually, joy to lead us to where God wants us to be. And so they chose not to grieve, but they chose joy, and they chose celebration from that joy. They chose to allow that the joy of the Lord, that which he can only give. And in this moment, he's given it to them through his word, through the truth of scripture. They gained this joy, and because of that, they chose to celebrate. They chose to worship God in that moment. I wonder, will you as well Will you choose not to embrace the broken spirit, to give place to it in your life, to to continue to grieve about the affliction and and to mourn about the brokenness, to hold on to the guilt and the shame of the choices that you have made? Or will you understand that God has given you something and he wants to give you something? It's joy. And that joy will be your strength. That joy will lead you into a a, a place of healing, a place of, of benefit for your life. A a merry heart, a joyful heart is a medicine, but it's a choice to make. It's a perspective that you have, and we'll see that here in just a moment. Because having a joyful heart comes from having a right perspective. You can write these down. Number one, joy comes from trusting in God's sovereignty. Joy comes by trusting in God's sovereignty, not just saying you trust that God is in control. You can't just say you fully trust God and then complain. You can't say you trust God, but then try to control outcomes. You can't say you trust God, but then be negative and stir up strife or cause division when things don't go your way. If you trust that God is in control, you then trust. If you trust he is sovereign, then you trust that things are going his way, even when you don't know it, even when you don't see it, even when you don't understand it. So so you can have joy in the moment of affliction and you can have joy in the moment of brokenness because if you trust that God is in control and he is in control of all things, you can choose to live in joy and to be content in that because God is having his way. You may not see it right now, but he is having his way. He is working his will. So we have to be able to trust that God is sovereign in order to have joy, or else we'll be angry at God, or else we'll choose to be jealous of other people because God has blessed them, but he hasn't blessed us because God's capable of blessing us, but he chose not to bless us. And so therefore God's at fault on and on and on. If we don't trust in the sovereignty of God, there's no way that you can choose to walk in joy. You will be discontent. Joy comes through contentment. Discontentment disrupts us emotionally. It leads to grief. Joy comes when we are content in all circumstances. If you're discontent, there's no way you can be joyful. I've never met a discontent, joyful person. That's where the facade comes in. That's where the fake smiles come in. That's where the fake happiness comes in. That's where people in front of you act one way, say one thing, and then they go behind your back and they say another thing and act another way. Why? Because they're discontent. There is no joy. The scripture tells us, the psalmist tells us in Psalms 23, we know the passage very well, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What is that telling us? He provides all that we need and he sustains us. I have no want, I have no need because I have everything that I need. I am content in my shepherd. I am content with my Lord who provides what I need. And so therefore I can be content because he is God, he is sovereign and he has given me everything that I need in this moment. And so therefore, if God is in control, he is fully in control, I can be content with what he has allowed me to have, what he has not allowed me to have. That's why Job said that God gives and he takes away. God gives and he takes away. And so therefore, when he gives, I'm going to be content. I'm going to want no more. I'm going to need no more. And when he takes away, I'm going to want no more. And I'm going to need no more. Why? Because God is sovereign. I'm in his hand. He is in control. He loves me and he wants the best for me. And so therefore, I can be content. And when I'm content, I will be joyful. Joy comes from salvation. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 tells us, but the fruit of the spirit is love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. The law is not against such things. True joy is given by the Holy Spirit. And we receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of our salvation. And so when we receive the Holy Spirit, we have access to joy. The Bible tells us that His fruit, what He produces in our life, is joy. And so that means one of two things if we're lacking joy. One, We are followers of Jesus who have made a decision in our life that we're going to embrace and hold on to the broken spirit that was caused by our afflictions, by our difficulties, by the poor choices that we've made, by the sin choices that we've made. And so therefore, we're allowing those things to stand between us and the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And we're not yielding ourselves to him because we're discontent and we want things our way. We want to cope with those things or whatever that might be. And so therefore, I'm not starting my day um, seeking Him. I'm not starting my day yielding myself to Him. And so therefore, the Spirit is not working in me and through me, and I lack joy, as well as all those other things that He produces in my life. So that's that's one option. The other is, is the reality that there are some professing Christians who do not possess salvation, and therefore they don't possess the Holy Spirit, and therefore you cannot possess naturally or genuinely the things that the Spirit gives us joy. The the, the fruits of the Spirit. You lack the fruits of the Spirit because you lack salvation. You lack the Holy Spirit. And sadly, in the American church, I believe that there are more people who fit in this category than we really want to um, believe, that we really want to accept. We have a lot of people who grew up in church who are Christians because you were told you were Christians or because you grew up in church. There are a lot of people who said a prayer because you wanted to escape hell and you didn't want to burn for eternity. And so someone said, look, the only thing you got to do to not go to hell and not burn for eternity is pray this prayer and God's going to save you. There's a lot of people who profess Christianity and profess salvation, but you've never come to the place that you have genuinely and truly placed your faith in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. It was never about wanting Jesus. It was never about um, being guilty and repenting of your sin, but it was about escaping hell, it was about grandma was a Christian and mom was a Christian. And so therefore I'm a Christian. There's no fruit in my life. There's no evidence in my life, but I'm a Christian. I come to church when I can work it out in my schedule. You know, I, I, I kind of make a point, but, I'm, but, but so I'm a Christian. That's the mentality. But that's not what we see in scripture. We see in scripture that salvation comes by, solely by faith in Christ alone by his grace alone, by us recognizing that we are sinners, that, that we confess our sins, that we confess that we need Jesus as Lord, that it's not about escaping hell. That's a benefit. That's a bonus. That's like sign on and this is the bonus. Like, like, but, but, but we choose Jesus. We choose him for salvation. We don't choose heaven See, so he never says choose heaven for salvation, but when your salvation is limited to escaping hell, that's what you chose. You didn't choose Jesus, you chose heaven. You, 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 chose, you, you chose the benefit. You chose the, the um, blessing of God rather than the blesser God. And so my fear is there's many people here who are professing Christians, not possessing Christians. You don't possess the faith in Christ. You don't possess the Holy Spirit. And so I don't want you leaving here today going, you know what, I got to be more joyful. I got to be more happy. I got to get up every day and I'm going to, I'm going to make myself a list and I'm not going to be negative. And I'm not going to, I'm a man. Today's a good day. I'm going to do like that guy. And today's a good day. Even though inside, man, I'm like, this is a bad day. This is a good day. I got to say it. I got to check off that list every day to be joyful. Without the Holy Spirit, it's going to be manufactured. It's going to be fake. It's going to be a facade. I can't explain it. I can't explain the supernatural contentment, the supernatural peace, the supernatural joy that comes by yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit and letting him have his way in your life. Letting him produce in your heart and in your life who he is and what he wants from you. And so today, if you're lacking that today, if you just said a prayer to escape hell today, if you've never really trusted in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation, it may be that joy begins there. And today you need to call out to him. You need to place your faith and trust in him for salvation. Because the Bible tells us with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Not because grandma believed unto righteousness. Not because your wife believed unto righteousness or your husband believed unto righteousness. Not because you came to church and you know all the right things. That's the most scary thing is that you know all the right answers. But do you have faith? Have you completely taking your hands off of your own salvation and placed it in Jesus because he says with the heart man believes that Christ went to the cross. He died for your sins. That it's not based on what you do, but it's based on his perfect sacrifice, his burial, his resurrection. You believe that in your heart and with the mouth confession is made that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So today, maybe if you're lacking joy, simply it might be that, yes, you need, to, you need to get healing for the affliction. You need to get healing and let go of the guilt and the shame. But for some, it might be that you need to get Jesus, that you need to trust in him and call out to him so you have the Holy Spirit to give you what only he can give you. And the final one is this. Joy comes from being in God's presence. Joy comes from being in God's presence, you can only be in His presence if you belong to Him. Truly in His presence, an intimate presence. Psalms 116 I mean Psalm 16:11 says, "You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures." you know why? the people uh, in, with Nehemiah the people with Ezra, the Israelites, do you know why they were, they could celebrate? You know why they could choose joy? Because it's in his presence that there is abundant joy. that The word was preached. that The word was proclaimed. The truth of God's word, God's breathed out scriptures were provided to them and it brought them abundant joy joy. Joy is found simply by being in God's presence. It's not what you do for him. It's not what you do during the week. It's not It's not any of that, the service, the giving, any of that. None of that is what the scripture tells us leads to joy. It's being in his Presence. It's starting your day in prayer. It's going through your day in prayer. It's praying without ceasing. It's finding every opportunity that you can be in His presence. It's being in His Word. That's how He speaks to us. Man, I wish I could hear from God. Okay, it's called the Bible. He He breathed it out. It's His full inspiration given to you, so that you know His will, so that you know His heart, so that you know His plan so that you know how to have joy and how to celebrate and worship him. It shouldn't be about what God is doing or what he's done. It should simply be about who God is, that he is God and that is enough for me. Because if we get into what he's done and what he's doing, he's always going to fail you in some way or some manner because you're always going to want him to do something that he chooses not to do or he's going to have done something that you didn't want him to do. And once again, it goes back to trusting that he is sovereign. It should just simply be that he is God. He is father. He is creator. And that is enough. That is enough. And so we simply choose to be in his presence. We simply choose that it's enough for us who he is. And then we can be joyful in every situation when we intimately know God. Joy shouldn't be based in what we do or what happens to us, but it should be found in who God is shaping us to be. Because every circumstance and every situation and every difficulty and every affliction, and even in your stupid decisions, He is using that to shape you and to make you into the image and the likeness of his son, Jesus, to make you who he wants you to be. It's not about what you do. It's not about uh, working to try to earn his approval. It's about who he's making you into. And that is into the likeness of his son, Jesus. And so you can be joyful. Yes, I failed. Yes, I got it wrong. Yes, this is going wrong. But at the end of the day, I trust God. And at the end of all of this, I'm going to be more like his son Jesus if I'll let him, if I'll just trust him, if I'll walk with him, if I'll sit at his feet and be in his presence because I intimately know him. See, when you intimately know someone, you know their heart, you know their love for you, you believe the best in them. And so maybe today you need to choose to just be in his presence You don't have to go through life with a broken spirit. A joyful heart is good medicine. Today, maybe you need to ask God to heal you of some afflictions, some of those things that you've allowed to build up that's creating turmoil in your life, the things that you want to grasp and control, the things that you want to bury deep inside and isolate from and not feel whatever. Maybe today when, when I pray, That's your moment to have a conversation with God and say, I'm hurting. I'm broken. I need your spirit to heal me. I I need to let this go. I need to forgive this. I need to whatever it is. And this is that moment where you go, I'm not carrying this anymore. I'm I'm not carrying this with me anymore because it's drying up my bones. It's sucking the life out of me. It's destroying me. It's hurting me physically. It's hurting me emotionally. I'm blowing up on people. I'm making poor choices, whatever. I see the effects of what I'm bearing in my heart and my life. God, I'm giving it to you. Heal me. Help me. But for some others, today may be that day that you say, God, I've been playing the game, I know all the terminology. I know to call myself a Christian. I know to come to church. I know how to check the boxes, but I've never, I I can't think back to a moment where I came to a place where I realized that I just needed Jesus as my savior, where I trusted in him. I wanted to escape hell. I wanted to go to heaven, but I didn't want Jesus. And so therefore I, I don't have the Holy Spirit. I don't have you in my life. That's why I can't make the right decision. That's why I don't have self-control. That's why I don't have joy and peace and patience. It's prevalent through my whole life. So today, as I pray, there's no magic prayer to pray. It's simply repent of your sins and, and proclaim your need for Jesus. Ask for mercy, ask for his salvation, and he will save you. And we don't want to leave you there. We want to walk with you. We want to help you get into that healing, to grow in that relationship. So if that's you today, if, if you have that conversation with God while I pray, please let us know on a Connect card. You can put it in the lockbox. You can give it to me. We want to help you take your next steps. But whatever God's speaking to you in this moment, whatever he's speaking to you today, let's not walk away from here, holding on to a broken spirit. Let us walk from here, Finding our joy in Christ and in the presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this simple verse. A joyful heart is a good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Father, I pray every one of us would choose joy today. We would yield ourselves to your spirit, we would yield ourselves to allowing him to have his way in our life that we would trust in your sovereignty, that we would find our contentment in you, trusting in you, that we would get out of our own way and we would let the Holy Spirit lead and guide us and empower us. And so, Father, may we not make the mistake of leaving here saying, I got to do this now. I've got to find a way to be happy. I've got to find a way to be joyful. No, Father, may we leave here and seek to be in your presence. May we seek the Spirit. May we ask for Him to do a work in our life. In this moment, if there's someone broken, carrying that that heavy burden with them, that's destroying them, that's sucking the life out of them, God, I pray that your Spirit would move in their heart to let it go today, to seek healing today, to not carry it anymore, to let you heal them. And then, Father, I pray for those that maybe profess a faith, but they don't possess a faith. They don't have, but they're confused. They know all the right answers. They've said a prayer, but it wasn't for Jesus. It was to escape some eternal punishment. God, there's nothing I can do to change their heart and their mind, but your spirit can. And so I pray your spirit would draw. Your spirit would... Speak to them, that they might be awakened to who Jesus is in this moment today, and that they would call on him, and they would trust in him for their salvation. May your spirit make us joyful people. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.